what we started recognizing is by recruiting college students and giving them exposure to what it feels like to change one child's life, right? And seeing that kid go from the disengaged kid to the kid that's raising his hand or the kid that is pushing and fighting and bullying other kids to being someone that's opening door for teachers and saying, thank you, right? Like seeing that those transformations really had a massive impact on what a lot of our college students wanted to do. Welcome home, family. We're tuning into the Bondcast, where we elevate the voices of men of color in education and the things that matter to them. I'm your host, Damon Harris, and I'm the co-director of the Building Our Network of Diversity, or Bond Project. You can find out more about the Bond Project, including our blog, professional learning videos, and podcasts at bondeducators.org online or at bondeducators on social media. In this episode, we're speaking with Marquise Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Coaching for Change, a program that partners with colleges and public school districts to provide academic support and mentorship for children in grades 4 to 12, while helping colleges to develop a diverse teacher pipeline. As usual, you can pull up a chair and we'll drop you right in the middle of our conversation. Appreciate you coming through, Mr. Taylor. What's up? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So let me tell let me tell the folks a little bit about you, because right? like you, you know, you you pretty you got a pretty impressive resume, my brother. <laughs> so we say uh, Marcus Taylor is a nationally recognized leader in education. He's the co-founder and CEO of Coaching for Change, as I just told you, the group that works with colleges and public school districts to support students academically and through mentorship and also helps the colleges and universities develop diverse teacher pipelines. And Coaching for Change creates opportunities for college students to work with elementary and middle school students, build leadership skills, and explore education as a career path. Under Taylor's leadership, Coaching for Change has positively impacted the lives of thousands of kids since its inception in 2010. Taylor co-founded Coaching for Change in 2010 to help low-income students reach their potential and close the achievement gap through hands-on practical learning experiences that engage students in myriad ways. Taylor has been honored by Echoing Green, a leading impact investor that selects 20 startups from 3,500 global applicants. He was selected as one of the world's best emerging social innovators. He's also named a social innovator by the Social Innovation Forum. Pahara Next Gen Fellow, one of five national recipients of the Clinique Emerging Leaders Fund and a CNN hero. He gave a TEDx talk at Stonehill College in 2020 about how experiences drive learning. Taylor serves as a member of the board of Boston Scores and the United Way of Fall River and is the co-chair of the Massachusetts Department of Education Committee on Student-Ready Colleges. Keith holds a bachelor's degree from Stonehill College and a master's degree from Smith College. And he lives in Bristol, Rhode Island, with his wife and two children. My goodness, dude, you feel you feel <laughs> marriage and two children and all of that too? <laughs> man, it's, it's hectic, man. It's busy, but we, we, got, we got to figure it out, right? Yeah, man. So, like... Kick, kick us off with telling us how'd you get to this point, man? You got you had a, a sort of a lot of accolades, man, through at least the latter part of your journey, man, over the last yeah. year. So 
Talk to us about why you became an educator and how you got into this lane. Yeah, man. I think that like the first half of my life was not, was not this successful. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I'm originally from South central Los Angeles, uh, born and raised uh, single mom, like about eight blocks away from where the LA riots happened. Right. And so gangs were prominent drugs, violence, right. Grew up in the eighties. And, you know, I, I was a kid that really struggled in school. I hated school every day. Like I remember every day I would cry because I didn't want to go to school. Right. Cause I always felt like the dumb kid or I felt left out or I was angry because my dad wasn't around. And so, um, in, in third grade, I still couldn't read. Right. I remember to this day, uh, we did popcorn reading and I always kept my eyes down because I didn't want anybody calling on me because I just didn't know how to. And when it was time to read, I like started flipping desks and cussing teachers out. And right. I, I was doing everything to, 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 to not feel embarrassed. Right. And so it, it, it was, it was a spot that like, it, it was really challenging for me. And, uh, but it all started changing once I started playing ball. Right. I was an athlete. Uh, I, I, instead of going to public school, which my neighborhood school had bars on the windows, bulletproof windows, like, right. Like, and, and metal detectors. When you walk in, I started going to private school, right. Like small classes. Uh, but it was because of basketball and basketball became life, right? Like I had so many coaches and mentors that like taught me how to shift my perspective they helped me build my confidence. They helped me like understand that like uh, just because you're failing doesn't mean you're not learning, which, which, which will help you in the long run. Right. Like they turned so many uh, skills that I was developing on the court um, into life lessons that I, that I still carry with me to, to today. Right. And, and that mixed with uh, I grew up with ADHD and dyslexia. And so school just, it just was a really hard place to figure out how to fit in and not just be the dumb kid. And so that, that was the beginning half of my journey. And what really moved me was, uh, I went to high school, got a basketball scholarship to go to the Naval Academy prep school. And what I recognized was I was it was a culture shock, right? Moving from South Central Los Angeles to to Rhode Island, right? Newport, Rhode Island, where like it snows. There's like these green pastures, right? Deer frolicking across the campus, right? And so I just and 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 I was like surrounded by white folks, right? And so there was this element of just like culture shock. And being so far away from home, like I just didn't know what to do, right? And so I went to prep school, realized I didn't want to go to the Naval Academy. I got a scholarship to go to Stonehill College and played basketball there. And the more I went home, the further the divide between me and my boys were at home because, right, like I'm I'm having different experiences about hopping on a plane and, and, and playing different colleges and uh, talking about like what we're doing and the projects we're, we're doing in school. And my boys are still sitting at home talking about the same thing. And that divide, like we're still boys and connected, but like we, we, our paths were just taking us um, down different paths. So like I felt out of place both 
in college, but then also when I went back home. Right. And so I, I struggled with that for a little while. Right. And so upon graduating, I had an opportunity to play ball in Europe, came back, started working in real estate finance. And so uh, that was when the subprime mortgage collapsed. Uh, and, and I worked in the real estate finance for five years. Uh, but one of the things that I did during that time was I visited the Mississippi Delta. Right. And so I flew into Memphis and I drove all the way down to New Orleans. But it gave me a different perspective because in the Mississippi Delta, it was the first time I saw dirt roads. Right. It was the first time I saw dilapidated buildings in a town that just had one blinky light. <laughs> right. Um, it was the first time I saw cotton fields on my drive down. Right. Like, like, Cotton fields were a theory, right? Like it's something I saw in the movie, something we talked about in history class, but it wasn't real, right? And so once I, once I was visiting all of our properties, it was this property manager that said to me, you know, like it's, it feels good to see uh, a black man come down here and look at our community and, and be a part of what's happening because our community is really struggling either you make it out or you die because there's no industry down here. There is no vision down here. And that really changed my perspective and it rocked my world because I thought I grew up poor. And so like, I didn't realize that there was another, a, a real, another level of poverty. Right. Because at least in LA, right. Like there's Hollywood, there's right. Like there's all of, uh, uh, uh like there's, bankers and lawyers, there's success, there's failure, there's a little bit of everything. But in, in, in these communities, you didn't see that economic development, right? I don't want to call it success or not success, but you didn't see that economic development and that economic opportunity. And, and I was like, you know what, I can't just sit behind a desk and travel trying to like get my investors to improve their bottom line, right? And so essentially, I was like, I got to make a change. And I thought I wanted to go into education and be a teacher. So I got my master's in teaching from Smith College. And when I got there, I realized my ADD kicked in, right? I couldn't just sit in the classroom and teach. I wanted to like mentor and, and play ball. And, and, it, and that school experience as an educator like brought so many bad experiences back up that like, I was like, I can't be in a classroom. I need to be an educator, but be in the community. Right. And so I was like, how do I help young people? Um, how do I help students and young people just succeed? Right. Not just in the moment, but sorry, not in for just for the future, but how do I help them succeed in the moment with so many things going on in young people's lives uh, when they were dealing with gun violence, when they were dealing with, with abusive homes, when they were dealing with living in a community that, that was a lot like mine. Right. And so it was, I was 26 at the time. And I started recognizing that I could train kids to coach and I could train them to run uh, sports based programs, like creating camps and after school programs. And they were developing and learning, right? Like they were, we were able to infuse academic concepts in designing a camp right? Like we were able to infuse academic concepts into 
or, or critical thinking into how do you support a kid that's crying because like they turn the ball over and everybody's pointing at them and laughing at them. Right. Or, or like, like, Oh, you, you messed up again. Right. Like how, how, how do you improve that situation? Right. And so what really became cool about it is that all of our kids were succeeding in getting jobs, but they were still failing out of school. Right. And so that's when we went from, so we initially were partnering with boys and girls clubs and, and community centers and housing developments who were like, yo, we gotta, we gotta shift over and start partnering with schools so that we can create this unbelievable opportunity through mentorship. Right. And so that's where the model really got refined was let's bring in college students of color into schools to be mentors and and provide academic support for young people that so often are ignored because the school districts are working and are so understaffed and and, and they don't have people. Right. They're going through a system that that gets that that keeps them or that ignores them. Right. And it's not we could debate whether it's intentional or not intentional, but the structure is the structure. One teach it's hard for one teacher to reach 30 kids in one class. It's hard for one teacher to reach 120 kids on, on any given day when, when they're teaching in school. So we're like, how do we support this system so kids can say, you know what? I can succeed because I have a mentor. I know what it means to go to college because my college mentor is talking to me about not only college, but how do I deal with my teacher who's being a pain? <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and so it's like some of that, man, like I, two two things that, that jump out at me as I listen to you, you tell your story, man, is one is that it, that's that old adage. It, take, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. So you've been grinding and, and tinkering and figuring it out and partnering and you and your team and you you were figuring this out, man. And now you you are um, really successful and in, in moving into even greater sort of levels of success. The big the bigger point for me with respect to the kids, too, is your worldview. Everyone's worldview is created by their life experiences. Right. Right. So right. They don't see beyond the four blocks of where they live, anything that is, well, if they don't, whatever they see affects their dreams. Right. Let alone right. Their, their aspirations or their goals, right. Or their next steps or reasons for getting up in the morning. Like so right, right, right. you saw in LA, like you said, well, there was Hollywood there, right? Like there right, were right. football stadiums, et cetera, where in the other space it wasn't. And their life experiences are not just about, in their home environment, like you said, it's also in school where they spend most of their waking hours. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not getting the right messages there. Right. Something's got to give. Exactly. And, and, and I think the thing that I started recognizing was right. Like I, I truly believe that most kids are trying to make the best decisions based on the information they have. Right. And so how do we create spaces that allows and helps and, and help kids make better decisions? Right. Cause it's, it's, it's not, it's not comfortable going to a teacher or going to an adult all the time, right. To help you navigate. That's what we should do. Right. We should do a lot of things, <laughs> but how, how do we create a space that allows young people to feel more comfortable connecting with people that are closer in age that have most recently been successful, 
right? Because that's how we begin navigating the space and learning from, from, from bad decisions that we're making. And I imagine that, that this, you know, because Coaching for Change is also focused on developing that teacher pipeline. Yeah. I imagine that kids start to catch the bug those older kids right. and they're working with the younger kids. Tell us. Yeah. So, so that, this is we're like, we're new to this space, right? From, from the, from the standpoint of building a teacher and educator pipeline, we're brand new because we didn't recognize it. Right. Like our focus was like helping K to 12 students succeed. But what we started recognizing is by recruiting college students and giving them exposure to what it feels like to change one child's life, right? And seeing that kid go from the disengaged kid to the kid that's raising his hand or the kid that is pushing and fighting and bullying other kids to being someone that's opening door for teachers and saying, thank you, right? Like seeing that those transformations really had a massive impact on what a lot of our college students wanted to do. Right. So they went from saying, hey, I want to be a science major to now, wait a minute, I actually want to be a science or right. I, I, I don't want to go to the lab. I want to be a science teacher. Right. And so instead of saying, hey, I want to uh, 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 work in a psychology office now, I actually think I want to be a guidance counselor, school counselor. Right. Because the, 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 the experience of mentoring and working with kids, it's so transformational. Right. And, and, and it's all about that relationship. And so being able to now say, OK, college student, you are not only getting exposed to a career in education through after school programs, being a mentor during the school day or summer programs, but now you're also developing professional skills. Right. You're learning de-escalate, verbal de-escalation skills. You're learning about conflict resolution. You're learning how to facilitate small groups, right? Then on top of that, they're like, wait a minute. I actually, I can get paid to while in college to, to be a student support service or a, a sub or, or a tech assistant, right? Oh my goodness, right? And so boom, that, that becomes the carrot. And so what we found is like, our college population, over 65% of our college students are, are, are college students of color, and 35% of them are getting jobs in, in the districts that we're working with, right? And so now we're trying to understand and unpack how do we become more intentional there, right? And so we're understanding the pipeline issue. We're learning about accreditation. How do we do a better job of partnering with alternative teaching programs or teaching programs or TFA, for example, right? Like, how, how do we get better and more intentional around having this dual impact? Um, one, helping kids improve their attendance, behavior, and grades. And on the other side, helping college students uh, pursue a career in education through their experience with Coaching for Change. And I imagine the school districts are open to this nowadays because everybody's dealing with these staffing shortages. So they're they're probably like, hey, hey, how you doing, my kids? Come talk to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's especially now, like, we we had a couple of principals that were, like, in the lunchroom substituting for classes, right? And so now they're like, yo, Marquise, like, come on in, coaching for change. We need these college students. 
right? To provide these small group uh, 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 tutoring sessions. Let's do some project-based learning to really engage and connect with kids. And I mean, and I think that after the pandemic, like we, we've all seen it, right? Like that, that virtual worked for some, right? But for others, those social skills that meant so much, it, it, it's missing, right? And so those classroom norms or those social norms are, 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 are being missed, right? And so and instead of being punitive, right, our college students are able to like put their arm around a kid and be like, yo, put, put your phone away. You know you ain't supposed to do that, right? And then redirect them to the work in a friend friendly, fun way, instead of it being like them getting screamed at and yelled at because of all the tension and everything that's going on in the school, because everyone's so overworked and everyone's so stressed right now. Yeah, and especially if these kids, if the college students are from the same area. Yeah. um, The students and the school age kids where they are more likely to share similar cultures, right? That race exactly. isn't the same as culture, you know, location. Right, 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 right. They're more likely to and be able to be more sort of um, in tune. Yeah. Right, with the students. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things that I noticed, right, is like I had the luxury of growing up in L.A. where it's super diverse. So I had black teachers, right? I had uh, I had a black community. But up here in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, it's not that way. Right. And so the, I think up here, I want to say like over 70% of the, the teachers are white. Right. Uh, where over 65% of the students are students of color. Right. And so they don't have that same bond and connection that I had. Right. And so there's always this level of explaining. Right. <laughs> I, I, I remember. Um, so we had, we had a young lady, one uh, a black girl, uh, sitting in the lunchroom, sitting with three white girls, and a police officer came in, and the, the black girl threw her hands up and goes, yo, don't reach for nothing, right? And so the white girl started like, and this is elementary, uh, so they don't know the ramifications, but, but they know, right, because they're hearing things that's going on. The white girls are like, yo, that's racist. You're like, right, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, that's so racist. And the teacher walks over and just goes, don't say the word racist and walks away. Right? It's like, <laughs> yo, you understand the magnitude of what's happening here? And, and so, like, luckily our college student was there who, who could pull uh, the, the young lady aside and help her understand what's happening. Right? We were able to turn it into a learning moment. But it's just like, yo, this is nuts. <laughs> like of of, of, of of everything that's being said that the word like don't say the word racist <laughs> like, yep, yep. <laughs> well, and you know folks are well-meaning often right. you know, and just don't have the tools right, right don't have the right. tools don't have the experiences so you probably had and you start coaching some staff too man <laughs> so and I, I imagine that that sort of cultural disconnect is a is a big hurdle. Are there other? Is there another big hurdle that you see that gets in the way of student success at either level? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it, it's capacity, man. It's it's the fact that there's just not enough people, right? And so schools haven't figured out how. I think the desires there, but they haven't figured out how to execute upon uh, bringing in uh, the community to help. Right. And so that's where 
that's where the near peer mentoring really comes in, right? Is being able to engage young people in a meaningful way that allow them to create change for themselves and others because they've both gone through it, right? And so I'm a big believer in mentoring, but I'm also a big believer in like just kids that are a little bit older who have just gone through it. They can help you succeed and get through the moment because while we as adults, we're thinking of the long-term success, like, like our kids got to get through today, right? They got to get through the moment and they're not thinking long-term. So like, how, how do we, how do we get our kids to focus on that math assignment, right? Like how do we get our sixth grader to focus in on converting whole numbers into fractions or vice versa, right? And, and build that academic stamina, right? Like we have teachers, really dope teachers that can do that. But we also have a lot of teachers that like, they, they're just not that good at relating to kids, right? So let's use this near peer mentoring model that allows older youth to come back and support, support younger kids in, 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 in accomplishing that. You were listening to the Bondcast. We're talking to Marquise Taylor, the CEO of Coaching for Change. Have you seen anything yeah. in terms of impact, you know, you and your team? Yeah, I mean, so for for the students that we're working with, we've seen attendance improve by 85%, office referrals being reduced by 65%, and grades are improving about by, by about a point, right? Because right, like we're taking kids, like a lot of this work is getting them to put in the effort, right? And then following through right? Hey, do your homework. Okay. Now that you've done it, actually take it out of the backpack, take it out of the folder and turn it in. (laughs) Right? Like it's, and so being able to get kids to follow through and building their stamina is a real key here. And then also just helping them understand how not to take so many things personally, right? And being able to provide that different perspective. And, And I think having someone in the building that they can connect with on a cultural standpoint, right? And, and seeing someone that looks like them that understands the challenge, right? And it's not just, right? Like, oh, yeah, you're telling me what I'm supposed to do, but you're white, right? Like, you don't get it, right? And so that's that, that having that cultural support's there, right? And so, and, and as I said earlier, our college students, they're getting jobs in the district, right? And so that's that's what makes it so powerful is that, there's a there's a dual impact here, right? There there's this additional supports for kids, and on top of that, we're designing a, a pipeline of talent because a lot of districts are struggling recruiting because the numbers of young people going into teacher prep programs it's dwindling and it's dwindling quickly. So being able to think innovatively about how we're going to approach and recruit young people. It, 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 it's, it's a powerful model. And that's some of the, some of the impact that we've seen so far. Yeah, that's amazing. So like, um, I get that the, the school age kids, they're a captive audience. So mm-hmm. like they show up to school, we got you. Yeah. How do you go about recruiting the college age students? Do you go directly to the universities? Do you advertise somewhere? Like, how does that work? Yeah, we get, we get, we get, we get a little crazy with that. So we, we go on. So typically, right. Everyone posts on job boards, right. 
And so now you're posting on, let's call it Indeed or the career connections or, right? Like, but we, we do that too. But then our next step is then going on campus and recruiting college students by identifying professors and allowing us to talk in front of the classes. We specifically target college students that are interested in, in human services. We go, we go uh, into dorms, right? We, we learn that RAs, they have to, uh, a residence assistants in college dorm rooms, they have to host weekly sessions, right? And so now we're an information session for young people living in dorms where we're, we're meeting with community members, right? So like we're really in the community trying to identify people who can help us connect with college students in a really meaningful way. And we don't promote it as, hey, do this to become a teacher, right? It's do this to mentor young people so that they can become you, right? So they can see someone that looks like them, has the same experience as them, so that they can succeed today. And then that their experience turns into the passion of wanting to become an educator. That's amazing, man. So as like, it got me wanting to go volunteer, man. <laughs> I, I had two college-age uh, children. Um, one of them is ah. up, there, up there with you in Boston, up that way anyway, in New England. Okay. All right. And yeah, yeah. Send me his information. We got to make it. Yeah, we got we to gotta make it happen. Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. Hey, so have you, have you had any learning along the way? Like, hey, if we had to do this over again, or this is the way we would do it, or like something like that for folks who are out there trying to do, like they want to replicate what you're doing. But they need to yeah. they need to call you. So we'll we'll get there to that point too. <laughs> yeah. Folks trying to replicate what you were doing. Were there things that you learned along the way that said, oh man, this would have been a shortcut or not a shortcut, but a more effective way to to transition to yeah. this space? So I think that the key is, I think it's two two spaces, right? Like I think it's one understanding what schools need right? And, and thinking beyond academics, right? So like for a while, we were just so academic focused and kid focused, but we weren't, weren't thinking of the infrastructure, right? And so talking to principals and teachers and asking them, where do they need the biggest support, right? And then I think the other portion of this is while we like, right, we're in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, there's tons of colleges all over the place, right? Like what are your local resources that can be mobilized to help the community? Um, we found our success through colleges and schools, but what if it was businesses and churches, right? Like, like figuring out where you can mobilize individuals or companies to provide these types of supports. And I also thought, and I guess the, the last piece is less is more, right? Because when we initially tried to design the program, we were like, we need people to commit 10 hours a week, right? And it's two, so we're going to do two, two sessions for two hours during the week, one session on the weekends, and life hits, right? Kids get sick, projects come due. Right. Parent, like you got to help your parents. Right. And so we learned that can we find a way that allows a connection that's meaningful 
in less time, but having more frequency, you know? Uh, and so that, that was our big learning is figuring out how to make these connections in a way that was meaningful, not only for our students, but also for our college, college students also. And do you use uh, like a scripted curricula that you developed or is it something that's a little more organic? How does, how does that work when you're training and working, implementing the program? Yeah. So, so it's, it's a little bit different, right? So the three things that we consistently, the three things we consistently train on is de-escalation, conflict resolution, and small group facilitation. And so we did not develop it. It's called CPI. We use their curriculum. Uh, I forget Crisis the exact. Prevention Institute. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. They're, 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 they're a key, key partner in helping us. Um, because they, they trained us on how to, how to implement this. And then we also are, uh, we work with schools that are implementing PBIS. So positive behavior intervention systems. So that those are the two ways we integrate within schools. Because what we learned was when we tried to, when we tried to design something in-house and then put it into schools, they were like, yo, that's not how we do things here. Mm. Right. And so we so because we're trying to integrate our work, it was a matter of figuring out how do we how do we design a framework that was customizable to each school, but not so custom, like so not but not so loosey goosey that every place is doing something completely different. Yeah, and that's it is that's analogous, right, to what we ask teachers to do in schools, right? Yeah, like you, you know, culture for change is being culturally responsive to each school setting. Yeah, right? and you're not compromising your standards, right? You're you're providing your standards in a way that's accessible to the folks right. in front of you. That's right, what right, you're right, exactly. In school buildings. Yeah, man. Hey, as we start to wind down, man, are there any other nuggets or pieces of wisdom you want to leave our audience with? We're talking to Marquise Taylor, the CEO of Coaching for Change. I'm Damon Harris, and you're listening to the Bondcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it's like, I think that communities have so much, have so many resources and so much potential. And we often have to unpack what that is and, and change our perspective to understand who and what it is. Right. And so like, I think that a lot of the challenges that, that I faced in the beginning was like, I was like, Oh, I need to go chase like the big donor. Right. I got to get to the good school. Right. Like, no, no, no. Like what resources do we have and what are we good at? Right. And so by and by identifying what we're good at, then we can design what's needed around our strengths. Right. Because we're all like it, it, that. That's my little nugget there is that like. Don't try and fit in, figure out what your strength is and then cater to your strength, because that's what's going to help you really grow and build whatever it is. Right. And so that, that's, that's been like my little secret sauce. Right. And it, 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 it came back from me being a kid with dyslexia, trying to figure out what am I good at? I got really good at basketball. 
right? Attracted resources because I was good at basketball. And, and I capitalized on it. And so how, now that we know what we should be doing, we probably need some help and some guidance in terms of getting to a space like you. And people should be reaching out to you and your team and coaching for change. How do they yeah. get to you or to your team? How do they find out more information? Yes. Yeah, so you can check out our website at www.c4cinc.org. www.c4cinc.org. I know it's a lot of C's. I apologize. <laughs> um, but then also you can email me at Marquise, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at C4CINC.org. And I'm more than happy to reach out and um, connect and help people think about how to design programming, how to connect with universities, and, and also just thinking about like designing mentorship programs. Got you, man. We appreciate you coming through, my brother. This was an awesome conversation, man. I took away some nuggets that I'll be trying to figure out how I lead my organization in <laughs> and bring this, some of this insight to how we're trying to work with the schools I work with, too. Yeah, it's definitely. Cool, so I hope um, a bunch of folks get a chance to get in touch with you. I know you're touching some lives in our audience right now. Definitely. Thank you for coming through to join this episode of the Boncast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Marquise Taylor about coaching for change and the work they do to support school age children and college students simultaneously. You can find out more about coaching for change at www.c4cinc.org as in coaching for change incorporated.org the letter C, the numeral four, the letter C, inc.org. And you can connect with Marquise at Marquise, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at c4c.org. As for the Bond Project, you can find out more about us, including our blog, professional learning videos, podcasts, at bondeducators.org online or at bondeducators on social media. Be on the lookout for our next episode because it's right around the corner. We hope you get a chance to come through. You know we're going to save a seat for you. And for now, we say peace and be safe.